Welcome in Monday edition of Outkick the Show. I'm going to get to analyzing college football as I always do on the Monday edition of this program. You can see that I am in New York City. There is a bit of irony there because I am in New York City to help raise money for Tunnel to Towers, which is an incredible organization that does phenomenal work initially founded based on the tragedy of 9-11. And as I'm sitting here talking to you right now on the Monday after the terror attack that we saw happen in Israel, um, I think it's incredibly important to talk first before I dive into college football about what we're seeing. Um, This is the front page of today's New York Post. Uh, I don't know that you guys can zoom in and see it well enough, but there is what looks to me to be a teenage kid, uh, somebody young, holding up his phone, and on that phone is a swastika. Uh, There's a celebration, as I am speaking to you right now, going on in New York City of people praising the Palestinian murder of 900 at least Israelis so far in a cold-hearted, indefensible terror attack by Hamas. And I want to address this before I dive into college football. Israel has a population of around 9 million. 900 people dead in Israel is like 40,000 people being dead in a state like Michigan, for instance. This is an unprecedented attack. 260, at least, of those people who were killed were attending a rave. They were young, innocent, completely without uh, apprehension what hell was about to be rained down upon them shortly after we got to, to the sun rising. There is evil in this world, and it is important, I think, to have the moral clarity and acknowledge evil when it occurs. Hamas is evil. They believe that Israelis should be wiped off the face of the earth. We spend a lot of time in America talking about Nazis and how people who have different political opinions than you are evil. It's not true. Evil is what Hamas just did. The murder of hundreds of innocent Jewish people based entirely on the fact that they are Jewish. This is the equivalent of Nazi attacks. As I'm speaking to you right now, President Obama hasn't spoken out. I haven't seen President Clinton speak out. The far left in this country has decided that Israel, they're colonizers, they're awful. They refuse to speak out about this. In fact, again, as I am talking to you right now, there are hundreds of pro-Palestinian protesters in New York City celebrating the murder of at least 900 innocent Jews as we still have hundreds of uh, hostages held by Hamas in Gaza. Uh, Nine Americans that we know of, as I am speaking to you right now, dead. Who knows how many hostages who are American? This is evil, and evil must be condemned. Um, and, And so I am very disappointed in the fact that every single American has not rallied against this absolute evil that was propagated against the Jewish people. Um, And uh, if we can't condemn this, what can we condemn? And so Israel has every right 
to take up arms and rain down holy hell on the terrorists who uh, decided to do this. I think we're going to have a lot of discussion. You might have heard me talking about it on Clay and Buck earlier today. What an intelligence failure. It's the biggest intelligence failure since 9-11. Don't underestimate what we've got going on right now. Land war in Europe between Ukraine and Russia. A war now in uh, Israel, the biggest attack on Israeli uh, innocents and uh, and civilians in 50 years by terrorists hell-bent on removing them from the face of the earth. Uh, this is a, a, a real issue. Uh, the Biden administration just gave $6 billion to Iran. Iran played our government, making them believe that this was not going to happen. According to the Wall Street Journal, they had been planning this attack since August. This is going to be, and will continue to be, unfortunately, I think, a massive story. Uh, I spent Saturday at Aggieland going to the Alabama-Texas A&M game. I met a lot of great Alabama and Aggie fans. But when I woke up on Saturday morning and saw all these videos and saw everything that was happening, um, honestly, being focused on college football, even though I was, felt wrong while Israel uh, is experiencing uh, an attack like this. I don't know what your upbringings were like. Everybody is different. I was raised in a Southern Baptist household, um, and I was raised on the opposite of anti-Semitism, um, as many evangelicals are, particularly in the South. I, I was raised, I remember my grandparents setting me down at a, at a young age after they had made their trip to uh, Israel and telling me that the Israeli people and Jews in general were the greatest people who'd ever existed in the history of the world. Now, they believe that because Jesus was a Jew, but also because of their experience in touring the Holy Land and being able to come back and tell me about that. I've never been to Israel. I would like to go at some point. I know we had a call earlier today uh, from a guy from Maryville, Tennessee, who's a listener to the radio program, whose family is stuck in Tel Aviv right now. I would imagine there are tens of thousands of Americans who are stuck in Israel right now uh, who are unable to get out that are seeing what it's like to live uh, in a country that is surrounded by enemies where perpetually there is a desire to wipe Jewish people off the face of the earth. Again, I think it's important for all good people out there to recognize what is good and what is evil and also to recognize that much of what we are told is evil in America is actually just a difference of political opinion. And when I see this, that there are Palestinians, not only yesterday, but also today, as I'm speaking to you live from New York City, that are out rallying and celebrating the murder of innocent Jews, that's evil. And it must be condemned, and it must be condemned soundly. We hear a lot about, oh, your Trump supporters are Nazis. Like, how dare they? No, this is what real Nazis in the modern day look like. They slaughter innocent women, children, men as well, who did nothing other than be born Jewish. That is a modern day a Holocaust. What we just saw, this terror attack, is the direct, uh, direct attribution of murder, of terror, based on a, uh, a Jewish faith. And so if you want to condemn actual Nazi-like barbaric actions, we are seeing it happen right now in Israel. All right, this is much less serious, infinitely less serious. I want to make that clear. I spend every Monday talking about college football, uh, and I'm going to talk about the NFL later in this week. Uh, I'm up here to raise money for Tunnel to Towers. So 
I'm going to now pivot from, hey, this is an awful terror attack, Israel's version of 9-11, and I'm going to talk to you about college football. It's not an easy transition to happen no matter what the topic is, but I didn't want to just come on today uh, after what happened over the weekend and just come on and tell you who I thought the 10 best teams in college football uh, are without addressing the true evil and barbarism that we saw take place over the weekend. Uh, And with that in mind, I'm going to completely pivot now uh, and say I hope that all of you will do everything you can to continue to support Israel and to continue to fight for good in the face of evil and uh, and certainly – uh, uh, I hope that Israel is able to uh, able to find some measure of justice for all the innocent people who are lost. So I published this on uh, Sunday morning, uh, my starting 11, and I believe I have it pulled up right now. But as I said, shifting to college football, uh, I went to, uh, to Aggieland over the weekend. Phenomenal time. Met a lot of great Alabama and Texas A&M fans and was fortunate uh, to be able to watch a a, uh, a a game that I thought basically I would see. I thought it would be an ugly struggle uh, in terms of the ability to score points. And I thought A&M's game plan was pretty transparent, that uh, Jalen Milrow would have to beat A&M, and that would be the goal that was created. Um, and it was. Uh, and Jalen Milrow was infinitely better passing the football than I ever anticipated that he would be. Uh, and uh, as a result, Alabama won an ugly game. I thought instead that Texas A&M would win an ugly game. Uh, and instead, we saw the opposite of that. Hey, Clay Travis here. We'll be right back. But first, here's a word. A&M now, to a large extent, in trouble in the SEC West. We'll see what happens this weekend against uh, Tennessee. We'll give you some gambling picks. Uh, They'll be up early on Tuesday morning. I just sent them in to uh, to Fox. Uh, But A&M in danger of falling to 3-3. And and, uh, I thought this game turned. Yes, a lot of people are focused on the decision Jimbo Fisher made not to go for it on 4th and 1. I think that's the wrong decision. But I thought the game turned right after the interception that A&M got. Uh, A&M got a, uh, a poorly thrown ball, uh, great play by the safety to break on the football, up seven, had possession of the ball around the 35-yard line. They threw an interception. A&M did. Bama came back down, a lot of big-time throws, not only from Jalen Milrow on all downs, but in particular on third down when everyone knew that he was going to have to throw the football. And Bama came surging back. I thought that was the singular play probably that if A&M could go back and say hey I wish we could take back this one play uh, and have it all over to do again uh, that would be what I would point to and say that's the one that they would believe uh, makes the most sense to go back and be able to have uh, over again Uh, but huge win for A&M I was there with my 12 year old 13 year old now he just turned 13 some of you probably saw uh, the pictures that were up, uh, we had a uh, we had a phenomenal time uh, running around all day and hanging out with Aggies. My son was in a Julio Jones jersey. I can't cure him of the Bama fandom. Uh, and uh, and uh, thanks to everybody who showed us an incredible time. But A&M had a chance to end the Nick Saban dynasty. I really do think at Alabama. Instead, Alabama won. And now I think you reasonably have to look at the remainder of Alabama's schedule. Uh, They've got Tennessee uh, and they've got LSU uh, in uh, Alabama at Tuscaloosa. They get Arkansas, not a very good football team. They get Kentucky uh, and they get Auburn. And so I look at this and say, I don't think it's very likely that Alabama is going to lose two of those games. They could lose one because I don't think this is a great Alabama team. Looks like Alabama is going to be back in Atlanta 
and win the SEC West because I don't see LSU, who won a game, a shootout like we expected in Missouri, I don't see LSU likely to be able to run the table here either. So I think Alabama is going to win the SEC West. I think they're going to continue the dynastic reign. Now, I don't think they're very good, uh, but I think Alabama is going to be in a good spot, uh, probably playing Georgia. Now, also, Georgia dominates Kentucky. Over 600 yards against 170 yards. Kentucky is a pretender. I I thought they would cover in this game. I thought it would be low scoring. I 100% got that game wrong. Um, instead, Georgia came out. Carson Beck nearly threw for 400 yards. If Georgia's got a real downfield passing threat, not only including Brock Bowers, but everybody else, the Georgia offense seems to have been found. They're going to be really difficult to beat. <laughs> no, no, no kidding. They're the two-time defending champs. And the schedule is not particularly brutal. I think we found out this weekend, Georgia and Alabama likely to play in the SEC championship game. Um, Kentucky pretender Uh, I'll get to Louisville in a minute but Kentucky still has Missouri we'll talk about that game some with Kelly and Vegas on uh, the fade Uh, I think by the way Missouri's going to win that game against Kentucky in Lexington I think it'll be high scoring a little bit of a preview on my gambling pick there Uh, I think Kentucky's going to lose to Louisville we'll talk about the Louisville Notre Dame game shortly as well Um, I think uh, that Tennessee will beat Kentucky I think that Kentucky like I said will lose to Missouri this is to me a 7-5 caliber Kentucky team. And it feels like this is what often happens with Mark Stoops. They start the schedule. Everybody's super excited. This is the year Kentucky's going to go to Atlanta. And then the schedule gets more difficult, and they end up being a 7-5, 8-4 caliber team. That's what I think Kentucky is going to be before all is said and done. I think we have to start, however, talking about the idea of Brock Bowers potentially as a Heisman Trophy candidate because he may well be the most skilled player at any position in college football in terms of nobody being able to cover him. Uh, What we also learned about as you uh, break down everything that's going on uh, in the SEC, I told you about LSU that I'm not convinced that they are going to be able uh, to make a a major run in that respect. Um, But Oklahoma, You want to talk about Brent Venables. You want to talk about an incredible win. Phenomenal work by the Oklahoma Sooners uh, to get the win late over Texas, likely to be a rematch in the Big 12. Saw SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey on the field, and we had a – We had a conversation. He was in Dallas earlier in the day. That now is going to be an SEC rivalry, which is going to be a lot of fun uh, because that game's going to continue. I can't wait. I was down in Aggieland. That game between Texas and Texas A&M is going to be uh, a big one for years and years to come. Uh, But uh, Oklahoma, I think, solidified themselves. Top five team last year, losing record for Brent Venables. Felt like uh, a lot of people wanted to fire him after the 49 to nothing loss. Biggest statement made by any team in college football this weekend to me was the Sooners. Worst coaching decision maybe ever. If you guys haven't seen this, Miami coach Mario Cristobal, uh, third and 10. Georgia Tech has no timeouts left. We can probably, for a short version of this, splice it. All they had to do, the Sooners, was take a knee. Uh, Sorry, not the Sooners. All Miami had to do was take a knee, and the game is over. It's third and ten. Mario Cristobal, you'll remember, had this same issue with Stanford and Oregon back in the day of not finishing the game by taking a knee. They did it again. 
They run a play on third and 10 when all they had to do was take a knee and the game would have been over. They fumble. Okay, Georgia Tech's got the ball, but there's only like 30 seconds left and they have to go 75 yards with no timeouts. They hit two plays. I actually think as awful as the decision was to run a play on third and 10 and potentially fumble it when all they had to do was take a knee, allowing the 75 yards on two consecutive pass plays when they have no timeouts, all you have to do is make a tackle inbounds. That's what really I can't get over, including allowing Georgia Tech to get behind you on the final play of the game for the touchdown. I It's one of the most incomprehensibly bad collapses that I have ever seen a team have. I think it's going to be hard for Mario Cristobal to come back and bounce back from that performance uh, going forward, given what we just saw happen in that game. Devastating loss for Miami and for Mario Cristobal, an indefensible loss. Every kid playing Madden. I was talking with my kids about it. Uh, my my 15 year old, my 13 year old, my nine year old. They play Madden all the time. They couldn't believe that a grown adult would make that decision. They said they would never do it playing Madden when kids are better in uh, in in thought process than your head coach. And again, Cristobal's had this happen before, so you would have thought that at minimum he would have learned uh, before about making the same mistake again. I, I just can't get over it. Um, USC. One in triple overtime. Washington State loses. We're down to three undefeated teams remaining in the Pac-12. By the way, only one remaining in the SEC with Missouri and Kentucky both losing. Uh, you got USC, which I don't think has the defense to be able to compete for either a Pac-12 championship or uh, to be able to actually uh, compete for the national championship. Uh, you've got Washington and Oregon playing this weekend in what should be an epic battle beyond a shadow of a doubt. Um, and you've got uh, uh, the, the later game, USC, I believe, is going on the road against Notre Dame. We'll talk about Notre Dame-Louisville in a sec here. But to me, uh, the Pac-12 is in danger, depending on what happens Oregon-Washington going forward, of potentially going full Pac-12 on us and knocking each other out of the big game uh, in terms of the playoff roster getting a two-loss uh, champion, for instance, which would be perfect in the final year of the Pac-12. Louisville, biggest surprise of the college football season, best story by far of a positive direction, 6-0 and uh, with the big win over Notre Dame, beatdown. This wasn't some accidental victory. Notre Dame is done. We'll see what happens in year three now for Marcus Freeman. I still think Notre Dame's going to finish around nine and three. But this was a big, substantial beatdown. And if you look at Louisville's schedule going forward, uh, you've got Pittsburgh, which will be a tough game coming back down after the big win. But then the rest of the schedule is not that tough. At Pitt, Duke, Virginia Tech, Virginia at Miami, and then Kentucky and Louisville. There is a possibility, and I don't think it's a crazy possibility, there is a decent possibility uh, that Louisville could be 11-1 or potentially 12-0. Remember, Florida State still also undefeated. You also have 
Um, uh, you have UNC, North Carolina, who's also undefeated. None of those teams play each other. So just keep that in context as you analyze what might happen going forward uh, as it pertains to the ACC race. Uh, I'll talk some more about Mel Tucker, but I would encourage you to go back and look at all the text messages that I discussed. That is linked uh, in the starting 11 column. Michigan. Michigan is my new number one team in the OutKick Top 10. And I think, if anything, after a 52-10 to 10 win on the road against Minnesota, Michigan has got the most impressive resume. Now, they haven't played great teams. They played on the road at Nebraska, on the road at Minnesota. They won those combined games 97-17. to 17. Through six games, Michigan has won by 27, 28, 25, 24, 38, and 42 they have given up three seven six seven seven and ten points halfway through the season michigan on the field is my new number one team they have been the most dominant team i believe in college football i've now bumped florida state back to second remember i only rate teams based on what we've actually seen on the field not by what i expected to see so i have bumped florida state back to two I've got Georgia at three. Uh, Georgia, I'm bumping up all the way to three. Those are three, by the way, of my playoff predictions. I had Michigan, Florida State, and Georgia all in the college football playoff. Also, USC. I feel good about the first three, not much about USC based on this defense. I got Brent Venables and Oklahoma bumped up to four. Penn State at five. Uh, James Franklin's Penn State team has been really, really good. Ohio State at six. Um, Oregon at seven. Washington at eight. They play my seven and eight teams in the outkick top ten. I've got Louisville at nine. I bumped Texas down to ten. That is right now my outkick top ten as we assess uh, everything that we have seen through potentially six weeks. Some teams have played five games a lot of teams like Michigan who I've now got at number one have played fully half of their college football season already which is wild to think about we always say we love college football but one of the challenges of college football is how quickly the season comes and goes Uh, for many teams out there half of the games are already now done Uh, SEC power rankings Uh, I've got Georgia number one I don't think there's any doubt there I've got Alabama number two And I've got Ole Miss number three. To me, Ole Miss got the win over Arkansas, by the way. There can't really be any doubt. Georgia, Alabama, Ole Miss, one, two, three in uh, the SEC power rankings. Then I've got LSU at four. Uh, To me, LSU wobbly on defense. Jaden Daniels is electric on offense. I think they're going to have to make some changes on the defensive side of the ball. But I've got LSU at four. Mizzou at five. Thanks, Brady Cook. You hadn't thrown an interception in forever. You get a pick six uh, that allows LSU to cover. LSU, once again, should have just taken a knee at the one-yard line. The game would have been over. Uh, Instead, they score. I don't know when I'm going to benefit from somebody actually taking a knee instead of scoring. Every time somebody scores late, it seems like it's going against me. By the way, I didn't mention this earlier. Marcus Freeman very questionable I thought coaching decisions to go for it on fourth and 11 for instance from your 35 that never made any sense to me at all he aggressively coached used his timeouts 
very, I thought, poor, not Mario Cristobal level poor, but very, I think, poor in general uh, coaching decisions in that fourth quarter by Marcus Freeman. I've got Texas A&M number six. I still feel like the Aggies are very good. We'll see what happens against Tennessee, who I have at seven, uh, in what will be the CBS Signature 330 Eastern game on Saturday. I've got the Kentucky Wildcats at eight, Florida at nine, uh, South Carolina at 10. Early preview, I like South Carolina to beat Florida coming off the bye week in Columbia this weekend. Uh, I've got Auburn at 11, Mississippi State 12, Arkansas 13 and Vanderbilt 14 that is how I would assess overall uh, the SEC power rankings 1 to 14 okay tomorrow no outkick show uh, and no radio show I'm raising money for tunnel to towers up here in New York City so I will not have any shows tomorrow on Wednesday though I'll have double shows for you I'll both do an OutKick show breaking down the NFL weekend that was uh, and uh, discussing what we learned and did not. And we'll have a episode of The Fade uh, with Kelly Stewart at Kelly in Vegas. Gambling specific special for you uh, that will be up on Wednesday. And then I'm headed down uh, to Florida. It's fall break season for the Travis boys. And so I'll be down uh, at the beach for Thursday and Friday, no outkick shows. So you got two on Wednesday outkick shows uh, that we, we will knock out. And then I'll be out Thursday, Friday, uh, and I'll be back uh, in on Monday doing the rest of the radio shows, however, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but going to raise money for Tunnel to Towers. Uh, prayers up for everybody uh, impacted by everything that's going on in Israel. Again, this is what real evil looks like. And as I am speaking to you, they are rallying to celebrate the murder of at least 900 innocent Jewish people based entirely on their ethnicity, based entirely on their faith. I love all of you. Uh, DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, I am Clay Travis, and this has been OutKick, the show.